You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 38, The Power of Play. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. You're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hi, Mama. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm really passionate about today's topic. I feel very strongly about the importance of play, not only in our kids' lives, but in our own lives as well. I want to talk to you first about the importance of play for your kids and then shift my attention over to you. But first, a couple of things. This upcoming week, the week you're listening to this episode, is screen-free week. From April 29th to May 5th, you can find out all about it at screenfree.org, which I love because there's also screamfree.org, which is an organization founded by Hal Runkle, who wrote the book Scream Free Parenting. And I actually became a certified scream-free leader back in 2012. So you can be a scream-free and a screen-free parent this week. And I thought it was very timely that I'm doing this episode about play now because we can all take some of the time we usually spend on our devices and on our screens and turn it into time spent playing and finding other ways to connect with ourselves and with our kids. And you can decide how screen-free you want to be. In my family, we decided that my girls aren't going to watch any YouTube videos this week. They like to watch silly stuff or how to make crafts and things like that, but they're taking a break from it this week. And I'm not going to spend any time scrolling through Instagram or playing words with friends. I haven't told my dad about that last one yet, so he's not going to be very happy, but I'm still going to post on Instagram and Facebook about this episode, but I'm not going to spend any time looking through my feed and seeing what other people are posting. The second thing I want to encourage you to do this week is to share this podcast with at least one friend. Now, I know I've made that request before, but I'm making it again. Don't just tell someone about the podcast. Actually, send them the link or show them how to download it on their phone. I talk to so many of you that are listening and you tell me how valuable this podcast is to you. And so share it with your friends. Sharon is Karen, y'all. All right, let's get to today's topic of play. Long before your children spoke their first words in English or French or Spanish or whatever language you speak at home, they learned the language of play. Play was their first language, was all of our first language. We learned to interact and explore the world through games like peekaboo, rolling a ball back and forth, banging pots and pans, splashing in the tub, and imitating sounds. As your kids get older, Play continues to be their main way of communicating and learning. Think about all the skills kids learn through playing. They learn to negotiate, share, resolve conflicts, use their imaginations and creativity, make decisions, regulate their emotions, and improve their language, math, and motor skills. I remember that my friends and I spent a lot of time at each other's houses during our elementary school years, We would amuse ourselves for 
hours at a time with stuffed animals and dolls. We played card games and board games, hopscotch, jacks. We jumped rope and rode our bikes around the neighborhood. We played hide-and-go-seek, listened to music, and made up silly songs and dances. We put on smocks and painted and squished Play-Doh between our fingers. When I worked at an adolescent day treatment center outside of Boston, one of the many therapeutic groups that I led was called Games Group. I got to go to the store, pick out a bunch of cool games, and play them with kids. At the time, we had games like Scategories, Taboo, Pictionary, and Gestures. We didn't have a lot of the awesome games that there are now, like Apples to Apples, Tenzi, uh, Headbands. I can link up to all of these in today's show notes. Anyway, the kids would think that they were just playing a game, but so much more was actually going on. Many conflicts came up during that group because there were the competitive or aggressive kids, and there were the more passive ones, and I got to help them figure out in real time better, more effective ways of relating to each other and solving their problems. And usually they were more receptive to hearing feedback because they were laughing and having a good time. We also had a ping pong table there, which was a great place to break the ice when someone new came into the program. We would get to know each other and chat while we were playing. At the school where I teach now, I did a whole class with the kindergartners about how to play a game. We talked about when you're at a friend's house, how do you decide what game to play? How do you make sure everyone agrees on the rules of the game? How do you show good sportsmanship when you lose? Of course, the kindergarten teacher and I did role plays where we acted out the right and wrong way to do these things, and the kids thought it was hysterical. And because we made it fun, it was so much more memorable. There are so many skills and lessons to be learned while playing. So besides the fact that play helps your kids learn so many important skills, it's also a way for them to connect and be close with you, to reconnect after being separated from you, and to recover from being in some kind of emotional distress. In his amazing book, Playful Parenting, which I'll also link to in the show notes, Lawrence Cohen says that there can be layers upon layers of meaning to even the most casual play. He says that play is where kids show us the inner feelings and experiences that they can't or won't talk about. For example, most kids don't come home from school and say, I had a hard day today. Can I talk to you about it? Instead, they say, mommy, will you play with me? Playtime builds closeness, connection, and emotional safety, which lets kids bring their deeper feelings to the surface. There have been many times when after playing with one of my daughters, she's brought up a topic or a problem that led to a serious conversation because she felt more connected to me after we'd been playing together. There have also been times when the laughing and giggling suddenly turned into crying or a big emotional meltdown because once they released some of their tension, it was like a floodgate opened up and all of their pent-up emotions came pouring out. Reading about that in Playful Parenting really prepared me for those moments to understand that it was totally normal and healthy. I highly recommend that book, especially if you struggle to feel playful with your kids. There was a time after Dahlia was born when Marissa would ask me to play with her, and I just didn't feel like it. I felt tired, distracted, and uninterested. Then I found this book. It gives so many great examples of how to incorporate play into your life and how to use it effectively in so many different situations. For example, 
Suppose you always have trouble getting your child to eat his vegetables. Find a time when everyone's calm and relaxed and play restaurant. If your child comes out of his bed multiple times a night, play bedtime. If he's having issues at school, play school. You get the idea. You can use stuffed animals, puppets, or action figures to act out the problem and try to find a solution. You can use role reversal, where you play the role of the child and the child plays the role of you, and really ham it up, talk in a funny voice, sing, put on a costume. When kids are scared, it often helps to play as if you're the one who's scared and they are the protector. Don't imitate them exactly so they think you're mocking them or trying to humiliate them, but take the general idea and exaggerate it. This creates some distance from their fear so they can release it through their giggling. Here's another tip from playful parenting. Kids often feel inadequate or incompetent when they don't know how to do something or they don't understand something. So it helps to see you lose your dignity every once in a while. You can fall down, look foolish, pretend to know what you're doing and then mess it up. Anything to get them giggling. When my girls were little and I'd take them to the park, I'd put them in the swing and push them from the front so we could see each other's faces. Then I'd pretend to get distracted, and when the swing came back towards me, I'd let them kick me in the stomach or the tush, and I'd stumble backwards in a very dramatic sort of way. Then I'd pretend to be very upset and say, why are you kicking me? That's not very nice. And then I'd let it happen again. They'd laugh and say, again, again. Even the kids on the other swings would be watching and laughing too. Another time, Marissa used a word I really didn't like, and I said, please don't use that word. And whatever you do, there's another word that I never want to hear you say. Do you want to know what it is? I'm going to tell it to you so you'll know never to repeat it. Are you ready? It starts with an F. Farfignugan. Don't ever say that word, understand? And of course, she started laughing and saying Farfignugan over and over. And I was like, no, stop saying that. (laughs) When Dahlia was younger, she experienced some separation anxiety at camp drop-off. And I'd always say, now listen, Dahlia. You are not allowed to have any fun today. Do you understand? And naturally, she'd laugh and say, I'm going to have fun, mommy. And I'd pretend to get all mad about it. Sometimes when it's time to clean up the house, I'll give everyone a bag or a box, set a timer, and see how much we can get done in that amount of time. Timers are amazing for turning things into games. Instead of making it competitive, we all work together toward a common goal of beating the clock. Once, when Marissa and I were playing Connect Four, she started switching up the rules by putting two checkers in the grid at a time and insisting that that's how she plays. Instead of getting angry or lecturing her about dishonesty or cheating, I said, oh, well, that's interesting because I play with three at a time and I put three checkers in the grid. And we both started cracking up and then putting four and five pieces in at a time and laughing. So many parents think that by lightening the mood, They're rewarding the child or letting him off the hook for his misbehavior. But I love what Lawrence Cohen says. Most behavior is really just a matter of disconnection. So instead of using punishment or always looking for the right consequence, you can try reconnecting with playfulness and humor. Not every playful approach you try will work. Be willing to try lots of different things. Some attempts will backfire. One time, Dahlia became upset about a limit I had set and she made an angry face at me. I made a silly face back at her, and we both started giggling. But the next time I tried that same exact strategy, she became even more upset. So you win some, you lose some. 
But getting on the floor with your kids, being goofy, losing your dignity and giggling, it all builds closeness and connection. And when children feel connected to you, they're more likely to cooperate and develop a natural respect that grows out of that closeness they feel. Now, having said all of that, it's not always easy for us adults to feel playful. At some point in our childhood, most of us hear messages from adults to grow up, act your age, and be mature. When we transition into adulthood and take on more responsibilities and obligations, having fun often gets pushed aside. We may feel tired, bored, frustrated, or insecure about our ability to play. And when we're dealing with kids who are being aggressive or uncooperative, and we've lost our patience, laughter and play are the farthest things from our minds. Dr. Stuart Brown, the author of Play and founder of the National Institute for Play, has made a career of studying how playing affects children, adults, and other animals. He says that humans are uniquely designed by nature to enjoy and participate in play throughout life. He considers play to be as essential to our bodies as sleep. Now, most of us are familiar with the effects of sleep deprivation, but Brown's research shows a correlation between play deprivation and delinquency, depression, and other health-related diseases. He says the benefits of play include increased connection with others, better problem-solving skills, increased energy and motivation, less stress, and obviously, more joy. Dr. Brown defines play as an absorbing, apparently purposeless activity that provides enjoyment and a suspension of self-consciousness and sense of time. So if you're out of touch with your playful side, I want you to think back to before you were married or had kids What kinds of activities evoked a sense of joy in you? What could you do for hours just losing track of time? For me, it's singing and dancing. For you, it might be a sport, reading or writing, getting out in nature, doing yoga or creating art. Whatever it is, incorporating it into your life can recreate the same state of mind that brought you pleasure when you were younger. You don't always have to set aside a specific time for play as a separate activity. Playing can be as subtle as shifting your attitude or lightening the mood by making a witty remark. Be careful about using sarcasm, though, because it could offend some people. You got to know your audience. If you're feeling disconnected from your kids or your spouse, try being more playful. Remember when you and your spouse used to flirt with each other? Bringing that kind of playfulness back into your relationship can help ignite a lost spark. In episode four, I talked about the power of asking yourself really good questions, because when you offer your brain a question, it'll go looking for the answer. So some of the questions you can ask yourself are, how can I make this more fun? If you asked yourself, how can I make doing the laundry more fun? What would you come up with? How can I lighten the mood a little? Or what's funny or amusing about this? When your kids are arguing in the backseat of the car, you can choose thoughts to feel amused instead of annoyed. I sure have. You generate the feelings of amusement and enjoyment. You bring the fun to a situation based on your thoughts about it. Marissa and her friends decided to make their own fun in Hebrew class this year. They knew that part of their grade would be determined by how much they participated in class, 
So they started tallying how many times each of them contributed to the discussion or asked the teacher a question. They turned it into a game that made going to class more fun and exciting for them. Of course, not every moment of your life needs to be filled with laughter and joy. That's not the goal. The full spectrum of emotions make up your beautiful, messy human life. Play is just another tool in your toolbox and something to strive for as much as possible. The point is that while parenting can be challenging, you don't have to take everything so seriously. You can lighten up, have fun, and be more playful with your kids, your spouse, your friends, and even yourself. When you feel stressed out and overwhelmed, your need for playtime and laughter becomes that much more important. So how do you currently incorporate play into your life? How could you include even more of it into your day? You can leave a comment on today's show notes and let me know. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash 038. Also, if you really want to have some fun, sign up for a free mini session with me. Now that's a good time. Let's chat and I can help you with your most pressing parenting issue. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini to sign up. All right, mama. So I'm going to go have a dance party with myself now and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe too so you never miss a show. Got a question, comment, or idea for an upcoming episode? Email me at pam at lessdramamoremama.com.